0: Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com, designed for work. Here at How to Money, we're always encouraging listeners to think about some of the different ways they can earn some money on the side to reach their financial goals. And guess what? While you're away, your home could also earn extra income. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. Yeah,
1: hosting is a lot easier than you might think. And you don't need to Airbnb a whole house. You can just host your extra spare room. So consider becoming an Airbnb host because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Matt here for HealthAid Kombucha. This bubbly probiotic tea blended with real fruit juice is deliciously thirst-quenching and great for your gut health. Health HealthAid Kombucha comes in many flavors like Pink Lady Apple, Passion Fruit Tangerine, and Ginger Lemon, which is one of my favorites since it has that extra ginger kick. I'm a big fan, though the kids prefer the the mango lemonade. It's organic, it's non-GMO, and a great alternative to sodas and other sugary drinks. Just look for the brown bottle with an anchor in your local stores. Give it a try today. Make Health Aid Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you.
0: Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're talking practical money hacks with Lisa Rowan.
1: Lisa Rowan is a staff writer at Forbes Advisor, where she covers banking and personal finance. Uh, and she was previously a staff writer at Lifehackers 2 Cents, covering personal finance as well. Prior to that, she was a senior writer and an on-air analyst at the Penny Hoarder, where she launched the Dear Penny advice column syndicated by the Tampa Bay Times. Her work has appeared in the Washington Post, City Lab, and many other publications. And now she's recently published her book, Money Hacks, 275 Plus, ways to uh, decrease spending, increase savings and make your money work for you. We're excited for an extremely practical conversation today. So Lisa, thank you so much for joining us today
0: on the podcast.
2: Hey, thanks for having me. It's my pleasure.
0: Lisa, we're really excited to have you uh, excited for this conversation and so many money hacks to get through. It's going to take a while to get through 275 <laughs> plus. So We'll be here for yeah, 8 hours. Listeners, <laughs> brace <Yeah>. yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, But before we get into all that, Lisa, you know, one thing Matt and I do every episode is we drink a craft beer. One, because we like the way beer tastes. And two, it's just this way of prioritizing something in the here and now while we're also saving and investing well for the future. So uh, yeah, what's your splurge? Do you have a craft beer equivalent in your life?
2: Yeah, beyond just loving craft beer and craft cocktails like y'all, the the thing that I (laughs) spend so much money on. I haven't lately because of pandemic issues, but the thing I used to spend a ton of money on was anything that would get me to the front of the line if I was flying. So, uh, you know, I had pre check and Global entry, but I also would throw down cash if it would do automatic check-in for me uh, If I was flying southwest or if I could pay a little extra to sit in the front of the plane My whole goal was to be the first person off the plane at the end <laughs> of the flight Because I just wanted to be able to get where I was going yeah. I'm a, I get restless when I fly and I always have to fly to see my family because I live quite a ways from my family and so When I fly to see them, I want to be comfortable. I want to show up, not stressed out. Uh, So if I can, if I can just, you know, I don't have first class money, but I have head of the line for uh, for economy money. (laughs) So that's something that I, I can't resist this urge to splurge so that I can just be a little more comfortable when I fly.
1: Nice. Well, I'm sure you've seen your savings kind of go up over the past year, <laughs> right. like one small bright side to, to 2020. So, well, Lisa, before we kind of start talking about money, you used to own a, a vintage clothing shop. <laughs> uh, we recently actually talked on the show about Poshmark and how difficult it is for folks to make uh, money, make a margin in the used clothes industry. Uh, oh, yeah. But like, what did you learn from that experience? Uh, we're really curious.
2: Oh, gosh, I learned so much. I, I mostly learned that I was not destined to be a shop girl but i was destined to be a writer (laughs) Um. i had always been a writer you know before and after running my shop and i really had this this vision in my mind i i think i watched like you've got mail too much or you know (laughs) other like fun shop girl kind of movies but i really thought that i'd be able to run my shop and also be able to like be able to like work on fiction projects on the slow days, just sitting at my laptop in my shop when it was slow. (laughs) Then I realized that like, one, if you have time to lean, you have time to clean at your (laughs) shop. But also if you're not busy, you're not making any money selling things. So that's kind of like a problem. So I just realized that I was not, I was not cut out for the day to day business operations of constantly striving to be able to sell and make money you know selling used clothes because like I'm sure you discussed on that Poshmark episode I mean you are selling a bunch of individual things you can't just do one listing and change the sizes or change the colors so it's it's a ton of work and there's a ton of variables um and uh yeah I definitely learned to uh don't don't try to shy away from your true talents. If uh, <laughs> if you have a dream, figure out a way to investigate it without sort of going all the way into the deep end.
0: That's, no, that's a good point. And I guess you got into it partially because you loved vintage clothing. And you're like, how can I make this a full-time thing? And then you realized, I don't know, maybe I can love it without making it a full-time thing?
2: Yeah, exactly. I had started writing a blog about vintage and thrift clothing when I was just out of college. And then it turned into selling items at markets. This was... In the dawning days of Etsy, but well before Poshmark existed, uh, and other you know newer platforms like that, like Depop, and so I was selling at markets and then uh, and online on Etsy and eBay, and then an opportunity came up to have a retail space, and. I grossly underestimated how much money you needed to be able to open and run a retail space. Um, they're not joking when they talk about overhead being so high. Yeah, so hey, hey. so it's just my my dream and my uh, finances didn't quite match up there. And so I, I was like, well, how do how do I get out of this? Because I got into a ton of debt trying to run my shop and eventually having to close it. Um, and so the, the way out of debt was to write about financial mistakes a lot and eventually write about you know writing about how to do your finances right
0: well i mean obviously you have written a lot about money at this point and let's dive into some of the the money hacks that you talk about in your book it features over 275 money hacks which is a lot um there were definitely a few that i'd never heard of Uh, i wanted to hear from you too like what was the most random money hack that made it into your book in your opinion like what was the weirdest one
2: you know, one of the weirdest ones that it's not weird to me now because I've written about it a lot, but it always surprised other people. And therefore, it surprised me because we talked about it all the time was the the hack about finding unclaimed money that might be in your name. Mm. Every uh, state has a, a treasury fund for money that's uh, that a company has tried to return to you but couldn't. It might be an old landlord with a security deposit. It might be uh, an old employer with a last paycheck. I even just got a check from the District of Columbia where I used to live. It was like $11 from CVS refunds that the pharmacy (laughs) couldn't get to me like five years ago. I mean, thank you. I'll take it. But, uh, you know, I knew that these funds existed and that you could search your name uh, and see if there was any money owed to you. But so many people who have read the book and who have talked to me, they didn't know about it. And so they're coming back to me now and telling me how much money they were able to get. And so that's the one that strikes me as the strangest that I'm like, what do you mean? None of you knew about this. (laughs) Like, I I wish I had told you all years ago to go look (laughs) for your money. I know people who have gotten thousands of dollars because they typed their name into the system for their state and found some, just something hanging out in there. And it doesn't mean that you neglected your finances. Like you ran out on a job or something. I know someone who had a family member and it was stocks from an old job that had gotten like cashed out, but it was several jobs ago. And so like there was a misconnection there and getting the money to her family member. And they booked a trip to Italy. Like it was the coolest Mm. thing. So that's, that's lately been my favorite one to talk about and think about because I just think it, uh, it always surprises people. Like it's that treasure hunt feeling that everyone craves, but, in real life,
1: it's really like finding money in the couch cushions, you know. <laughs> yes, I, I, and you said misconnections. That it, it kind of makes me think it's like mis it's like the Craigslist misconnections, but for your money, it's like <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like hey, I, I've been less looking for creepy. you. Yeah, yes, and way exactly. less creepy. <laughs> Certainly, uh, Lisa. In in the beginning of your book too, you know, you offered it's like specific hacks to help with spending problems, uh, and one that you discuss is not trying to cut a problem area of your spending cold turkey. Uh, so it, you know, why is that a bad tactic in your opinion
2: yeah and it's especially at this time of year i know a lot of people are thinking about new year's resolutions or they maybe have already like ditched their new year's resolution (laughs) and a lot of times when we make a financial goal for ourselves it's just completely unattainable we have set our sights too high and it's just not something that we can stick to so if you're trying to save money It doesn't make sense for you to say, well, I'm going to cut out all of my discretionary spending all month. I'm not going to buy anything nice for myself. I'm not going to go out to eat at all. There are some people who really go like they can do a spending fast and really make it work. But if that is not your game, I really recommend instead of going cold turkey, instead of just like cutting all of your spending at once, try to change it by percentages. See if you can reduce your spending by 10% in a month or 20% in a month and see if you can make changes that will add up. Because if you can make small changes and then build upon them as you go, then you're going to be able to make more sustainable change rather than have this like yo-yo system where you're going back and forth between not spending at all and then probably overcompensating and spending more. So I think if you can you know, chip away at it little by little. Yeah, you don't see instant results that are huge in a lot of cases. But what you really want to see is consistent change over time, and that's really going to be a better benefit to your finances.
0: All right. So hack number fourteen actually encourages people to pay for shipping when they're shopping online. Why is that? Because mm-hmm. most people are, man, they're angling for the free shipping.
2: Mm-hmm, I know, and it drives me crazy every time <laughs> because I get up to forty eight dollars and you know twenty seven cents, and I'm like, great. What, how can I spend another $1. fifty to get my free shipping? And then $27 later, I'm finally checking out. And it creates this whole cycle where I'm just overspending because I think I need to be able to get certain things for, for free. Like I should get shipping for free. Or I should get shipping in two or three days. Uh, that I should get that free gift or that discount. And so I say if you're trying to spend less, especially if you're trying to spend less online... Put up whatever roadblocks you can so that you are less tempted to spend, whether that is uh, unsaving your credit card from your browser, whether it's sort of like the um, the old fashioned method of just putting your credit card in a block of ice in your freezer. Yeah. Like, It doesn't, do it doesn't that. work the same
0: anymore with online shopping, does it?
2: Yeah. Don't put your devices in ice. Cause that's just oh, <laughs> sunk costs. it
0: voids the
1: warranty or yeah, something exactly. like that. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Exactly. But.
2: Exactly. But if you can think with that mentality and you know, like don't save your payment information into any, you know, e-commerce websites. And then especially with the shipping, if you are stuck at a point where, you know, you're like, okay, I've picked out the things that I want. Free shipping doesn't kick in until this particular level. Like, just check out with what you have now. You're going to end up spending more than you would have paid on the shipping if you just keep adding items to your cart for the promise of that free shipping. I think, y'all, I think we're going to see that go away in the next couple of years. Oh, no way? You think so? Oh, after the holiday season we just had with the Postal Service, (laughs) I think... You know, if they're free offering shipping. free might shipping, it take 3 weeks to get there. <laughs> right, exactly. It's like you need to decide, do you do you really want it now? Like do you want it fast free or or, you know, it's like that Venn diagram of of design, but it's fast freer or fast cheaper good. It's right, like right. with shipping, like you need to decide. How do you want it chucked hmm. from the truck on your lawn? Like we can do that. <laughs> that might be the free version. So, definitely think about, you know, do you really need the free shipping or could you just check out with what you need right now spend a couple of bucks and i I, going back to how i think this is going to go away just remember that anyone who offers you free shipping works that into the prices somehow that is true so it's it's never really free
1: yeah anything to basically increase the friction here you know like anything that you can do to make it harder for you to spend money on these sites like i mean it used to be where you had to actually drive to a store and then you had to drive to another store Mm -hmm. (laughs) it was hard to spend your money but it is so easy and in some ways it's good right like being able to hop from retailer to retailer from site to site online gives you the ability to yeah comparison shop and get the best deal but it also makes it way too easy to spend all that money lisa you know you, you you talk about in your book too the power of positive framing you know, how can that change our perspective on, I guess, why it is like why it is the, you know, the different reasons why we're we're cutting back?
2: Yeah, you know, it's a lot of times when we set a goal, you know, especially when we're trying to cut back or when we're trying to pay off debt, the the goal is something that we did that's negative that we're trying to make up for, and that doesn't really help motivate you to make change, right? If you're constantly thinking about the thing that you think you did wrong or that you know really tripped you up. How hard is it going to be to wake up every morning and be psyched to make change to your finances, right? So instead, if, you know, for example, if you're trying to cut back on your spending, if you can think about the real reason you want to do it, uh, maybe it's right now because you're in the hole by a couple hundred dollars, but maybe in the future, you want to save money because you want to take a trip. Or you want a healthy emergency fund so you have better peace of mind. Or you want to be able to, you know, splurge on birthday gifts for your nieces and nephews. You know, by thinking about the outcome and thinking about the positive impact of changing your money, you can think beyond, like, that temptation right now. Like, if you're thinking, like, should I buy one more six-pack of craft beer? Like, (laughs) you're like, do I really want this now? Or do I want to be able to do this other thing later? just like, just think about those priorities. And sometimes you're gonna say, "Yes, I would like a delicious craft beer right now, and my nieces and nephews can wait uh, for their birthday gifts." But if you, if you, you know, try to think less about the things you've done wrong and the, the places that you've had challenges, and instead think about like how great you're doing by just striving to do better with your finances. That goes a long way in keeping you motivated for long stretches of time when you're working on this stuff.
0: All right. Another interesting hack that you mentioned in the book is the stranger test. Can you mm-hmm. explain what that means?
2: This is one where you have to envision in your mind's eye that you're in a store, you've gone to a store, you're inside the store, and you're within spitting distance of a stranger, which I know for a lot of people is hard <laughs> right now. You're like, I don't want to be in the same zip code as any other people. But just imagine in your mind's eye. So this is a test to to make sure you really want to spend that money on an, an item. So say you're browsing and you pick up something and you're like, oh, I want this thing. You didn't plan to buy that thing, but it caught your eye and you're like, "Mm, maybe I'll get it. So imagine that somebody in the store, a complete stranger, is standing in front of you and they're holding up that item. And in their other hand, they have cash for the same amount of the price tag on the thing you're thinking of buying. And think to yourself, don't imagine that this is your best friend because this will foul you up. Imagine it is a true stranger or maybe it's like an employee at the store. You got to think like, what's going to make you like, what would you take if this stranger gave you both options? Would you take the item or would you take the cash? And just thinking about it in Physical form like that, because so often we pay, you know, with card or with Apple Pay or whatever anyway. Like, think of it in physical cash. Would you love physical cash in your hand or would you love this physical object in your hand? And whatever the answer is, that'll guide you. Like, maybe you do want that thing. Maybe it would benefit your life, but maybe, you know, 36 bucks or whatever it is could go a lot further in your life and help you stick to those, you know, positive priorities that you're thinking about. So, Imagine that next time you're like maybe at the grocery store and you're, you know, maybe in the candy aisle. Like, start small with that. Be like, do I want these Reese's peanut butter cups or do I want
1: $4? Yeah.
2: Start small. Think about it that way.
1: <laughs> no, I love that. It's a great way to rethink how it is we spend our money. And at least all of these sort of tips, all these different hacks that we've gone through so far have to do with spending. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. But after that, we're going to talk about some of the hacks you have when it comes to our savings. And so we'll get to those right after this break.
0: I'm still kicking it. I very much hope that trend continues, Matt. And since then, I've actually added coverage via Policy Genius. And if you out there you're listening and you're worried that this is going to be a massive pain getting life insurance, think again. Policy Genius made it an incredibly easy process. If you have loved ones who rely on you and your income, Life insurance is a crucial part of your financial plan. Not only does it provide a financial backstop for your family, it also gives you peace of mind, too. Plus, the longer you wait, the more rates go up because life insurance rates typically increase as you get older. So if this is something you've been putting off, it's time to make it happen now. That's right. Yeah, and even if you already have a life insurance
1: policy through work, it may not offer enough protection for your family's needs, and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options
0: offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com.
1: Hey, folks, it's Matt. If you want to give it a try and see how great you can feel, look for the brown bottle with an anchor and make Health Aid Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you. Joel, I think there are a lot of folks who start small businesses and they're surprised at the amount of behind the scenes, the admin type work that they're not all that thrilled about getting your books together with uh, with some final figures so that you can file your corporate taxes, for instance, that's something we've been in the middle of, but it can really gum up the gears, potentially keeping you from doing the work you love. If this is you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and 1.
0: That's right. Yeah, 37,000, that's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. There's a lot of power in the simplification of having all that information in one place. Helps you make better decisions. That's right. And right now, download NetSuite's
1: popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash howtomoney. That's netsuite.com slash howtomoney to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash howtomoney.
0: All right, we're back from the break. We're talking uh, practical money hacks with Lisa Rowan today on the show. And Lisa, let's talk about money hacks for saving money. One that seems counterintuitive is having fewer savings goals. This one that you mentioned, I believe that's Money Hack 48. So explain Mm -hmm. why you think it's important to actually have fewer goals.
2: Yeah, it's absolutely counterintuitive because we hear all the time that we should give our savings accounts names and have separate saving accounts for different goals, right? Maybe it's your emergency fund, your travel fund, your tuition fund, but- If you have too many goals and too many separate little buckets for those savings goals, you're not going to see fast progress in any of them because you're dividing your money up into too many buckets. So instead, I really recommend having fewer savings goals, limiting yourself to two or three. Three might even be too much, depending on how much you are able to save. But just focusing on one or two things. Maybe it's going to be a, a general savings fund or an emergency savings fund. And one other bucket, whether it be travel or gifts or uh, charity donations. But being able to focus on just a few goals is going to let you see your progress a lot faster. Because instead of having five or six places that you're divvying up your money, whenever you get paid and you go to put money into savings, you can put bigger chunks of money in those goals. You'll hit them faster and then you can move on to the next goal that you're trying to build towards.
1: Yeah. So, so Lisa, one thing too that you mentioned, you talk about earning rebates. Of uh, you know, for doing the different shopping uh, that you're already doing, I'm aware of some of these programs. I just haven't checked them out myself. But which ones should people consider using? And and how much cash back you know can you actually get?
2: Yeah. So two of my favorites that I've been using for a long time are Rakuten, which used to be Ebates, and Ibotta. So Rakuten is primarily for online shopping through your phone or your computer browser. I bought a uh, I don't I'm not sure if it has like a browser interface, but I use it as an app and I use it mainly when I go grocery shopping. So I'm going to start by saying, look, there's a trade off here. And so by letting these companies pay you uh, for shopping at certain stores, you're giving over your consumer data. It gets anonymized, but you're basically you need to be willing to show people what else is on your grocery receipt. Besides the you know pack of chicken that you're going to get a cashback rebate on, right? So that's that's my disclaimer on that. But if you don't really have any like state secrets that you're hiding, um, <laughs> you're not in the witness protection program or anything, you can use these programs to get some money back, and it's various uh, rates at certain retailers or on certain products. So I'll give you some you know examples. If you go through Rakuten uh, and you're shopping online, you can do a little. Uh, extension in your browser that will show you what the cashback rebate is and it could be anywhere between 1% and 12% of your purchase that you can get back on that purchase. It goes into your Rakuten account within a couple of days of you shopping and they pay out quarterly. So you're not going to see money tomorrow that's going to show back up in your bank account. But I typically get a check four times a year of about uh, 10 to $15. Um, and it's just like nice pocket change to get back on money that I was going to be spending anyway. And it's really mm. great. You know, I just did it for a ton of Christmas gifts, you know, back in November and December. And so I always see like a little bit of a payout there. So it's, you know, if you just paid for shipping on things, like I told you to, you can get a little <laughs> bit of that money back by doing these online rebates. And then I'll tell you for Ibotta, which is the one I use for grocery shopping a lot, you basically scan your receipt and scan particular items that they're offering cashback rebates for. It could be a gallon of milk from any brand. It could be a specific kind of cereal that they want you to try uh, that they're testing out. And it's, you know, per uh, item on your receipt could be anywhere from a dime to a dollar uh, or more. So that's something where you can cash out once you reach $20 and they send it through PayPal. And so that's something where I probably make a hundred bucks a year just by sharing what's on my grocery receipt and sort of matching up with the things that I was already planning on buying. Cause on iBody, you can look at the app after you've bought the items that day and see what's on there and then scan your receipt. So there's some temptation yeah, cool. to keep shopping, right? Because it gamifies yeah. getting those rewards. But if you if you are smart about it, you will not be tempted. Or you just go to a grocery store where you don't have good reception, and then you won't <laughs> need to look at the app anyway. I'm looking at my own grocery store as I say that.
0: <laughs> uh, at least, Lisa, you talk about pawn shops in the book too. You recommend shopping there in order to save more on some of the items that you. Would potentially buy otherwise but just getting a a better deal there so uh, well what are your best pawn shop scores and why do you love shopping at pawn shops
2: you know you know my favorite pawn shop score was happened back in the day i was in community college and i needed a graphing calculator for a math class and that, I mean, at the time, I'm showing my age, but that was a solid $100 expense for a college student. I was not feeling it. And it was actually my math teacher in community college who said, hey, call up your local pawn shop and see if they have any. And at the time, I think I had to call two. And the guy said, yeah, you know, I have one. You know, I'll hold it for you. Come on in. And I paid something like 20 bucks for it. So that's that's something where. I don't think I have that calculator anymore. It's probably for the best. But there are things like that, you know, things that you wouldn't think you might be able to find in a pawn shop. Who would have thought you could get a calculator at a pawn shop? And I know friends who have gotten, you know, brand new laptops there, you know, barely used, totally legit, you know, above board. These are not items that have been stolen or gotten through, uh, you know, like shady circumstances. They're just people have sold their items that they didn't need. And you can really get a huge savings on them.
1: Well, so Lisa, you mentioned uh, computers and electronics. That actually makes me think of, uh, in your book as well, you talk about your electronics, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Joel and I, we've talked about that some before in the show with, uh, you know, with like the help of iFixit, some of those different sites like that. I, I'm pretty sure I'm about to take the, the plunge into the deep end and get one of those kits and start becoming like Mr. You know, iPhone handyman around, around <laughs> our house. <laughs> but um, I don't think we've mentioned repair cafes. Uh, you mentioned them. And so can you share with our listeners what those are and how they actually work?
2: Yeah, it's something that's so cool. And I have yet to go to one in person. And Granted, we're in strange times, but this is something that's on my list that I want to check out. So these places have sprung up all around the world. I think there are more than 2,000 of them. And yeah. it is an in-person experience. It might be held in a church basement or in a, a literal cafe. But you go and there are experts there who are willing to help you repair your stuff. So if you're someone like me who keeps killing blender uh, engines, blender motors, and you're on your (laughs) third blender in three years, maybe you want to figure out how to just fix it instead of buying a new one. Uh, There are people there who will help you figure out whether you can repair your item. And it's great because... It's the extension of what we've all tried to do on YouTube, right? You know, we might look to see if we can fix something at home because really it's so frustrating when you think the only option is to throw away something and buy a new version of it. But more and more, I think people are getting into the fact that with a little bit of know-how or a little bit of help, you can actually you know, prevent some of those upfront costs by having to buy a new item and be able to fix it. And in a lot of cases, if you need, uh, if you need a part to be able to replace something or a tool, a repair cafe will have it or you'll be able to buy the part uh, really cheap because it's probably a used part that came off something else. Or you might be able to work with the company the item is from. And in a lot of cases, they'll send you a part that you need for free or for very low cost. So it might take a little bit of time, might take a couple of visits, you might make a couple of mistakes along the way. But there are communities out there where you can go and you can take your, you know, small appliances or small electronics and say, hey, Please help me. And people are really excited to do that. So there are these communities. If you search repair cafes, you should be able to find. Um, there's a directory of where they're located. And it's just super fun.
0: That's cool. Yeah, there we we've got like one of the, uh, repair cafe essentially for bikes close to where we live and uh, those are in cities across the country too so like, if you're not super handy repairing your own bike there are people out there who would love to help you and you know, they have the tools all in one location um, those are the kind of things that yeah are helpful for us all to be taking advantage of so we don't have to yeah, continue to replace items by the way I'm curious I don't know maybe I shouldn't ask what are you doing to your blender that makes it break so frequently Lisa
2: <laughs> if I knew I wouldn't have this problem <laughs> I think point. I think my ratio of water and ice to ingredients is always off a little bit. And I'm just, I I think I've murdered my blenders with frozen fruit. Okay. Okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, All right. Uh, I'm curious about another tip that you mentioned. You, you, you say that people should fill up their gas tanks on Mondays. Why do people save more money by getting gas on a Monday than they do on any other day of the week?
2: Right. This is wild and it sounds like the hackiest of hacks, right? It sounds so (laughs) gimmicky, but it comes from research from Gas Buddy. They're the people who make the app that tells you where the cheapest gas is. So Mm -hmm. I trust their data. They found that uh, the cheapest time to get gas is on a Monday. The most expensive time to get gas is on Friday and on the weekend. And think about it in your in your mind's eye. Think like a marketer or think like a person who wants to make money on gasoline. So When you get to the end of the week, what do you think about what the heck you're going to do on the weekend? Where are you going to go? Are you going to do errands? Are you going to go on a day trip? Are you going to, you know, grab your friends and go to the beach or go camping? All those things take another tank of gas in your car, maybe after you've been commuting all week. So if you grab gas on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, they know that you're trying to have some fun. And they're putting a little bit of a premium on that gas because they know there's more demand. It might just be a couple of cents. But if you add that up gallon by gallon that could add up to you know eventual dollars that you could be putting towards more fun things on your weekend. Aside from filling your tank. Right. So <laughs> yeah. if you can plan ahead a little bit, if you know you're you know, taking a road trip on the weekend, maybe top off on Wednesday and then top off again on Monday when you get back. You can sort of play the system a little bit and save just small amounts that in the long run are going to add up to, you know, considerable savings for you, especially, you know, the bigger a gas tank is, the more you're going to save on this one.
0: All right, Lisa, we got a few more questions to get to uh, about money hacks that can help people out, uh, including one about kind of an awkward side hustle. We'll get to that and more (laughs) right after this break.
1: So we've mentioned on the show how we've got a Dominican trip coming up. We're going to celebrate, Joel, you and Emily. You're both turning 40 this year, so we're doing it up right. And a lot of listeners, they might have trips of their own planned. If you want to give it a try and see how great you can feel, look for the brown bottle with an anchor and make healthy Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you. A big part of being a responsible adult is taking care of the things you care about. For instance, my bike that I ride in to work on. I keep the tires pumped, I keep the chain greased. Gone are the days of leaving your bike out in the rain for weeks at a time, like a kid. (laughs) Simply put, the things futures are built around are the things worth protecting. And making an estate plan now means gaining security of your assets and peace of mind for you and your loved ones. With Trust & Will, you can create and manage a custom estate plan starting at just $199. Go to trustandwill.com slash money. 10% off plus free document shipping. As the primary breadwinner for our family, I've taken the steps to ensure that Kate and the kids that they're going to be taken care of if something terrible happens to me. Each
0: will or trust is state-specific and customized to your needs. Their simple step-by-step process guides you from start to finish with ease. So get the peace of mind you deserve by creating your estate plan with Trust & Will. Secure your assets and protect your loved ones with Trust & Will. Get
1: 10% off plus free shipping of your estate plan documents by visiting trustandwill.com slash how to money. That's 10% off and free shipping at trustandwill.com slash money.
0: And now a word from the show's sponsors at Betterment. No matter how hard of a worker you are, you probably like to kick back, relax, and just chill every now and then. But if you're an investor, that's the last thing you want your money to be doing. You want it to be out there working hard and kicking butt. That's exactly what the Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app can help it do. Betterment's automated technology
1: gives you advanced tools that are built to help maximize returns. We're talking tools like diversified expert-built portfolios of low-cost ETFs, Keeping those expense ratios low is key to seeing your investments compound over the years and decades. A high-yield cash account where your money can earn 11 times the national average. Listeners know that they need to have an emergency fund set aside for those completely unforeseen expenses. A high-yield cash account is the perfect place to park that money in automated investing technology like automated rebalancing. That way, if certain industries are, say, growing like crazy, your portfolio
0: stays on track. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk, performance not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. All right, we are back from the break
1: talking with Lisa Rowan about just some practical money hacks, something that we can all do to save a little bit more money. And uh, Lisa, we're going to round the interview out here, the conversation with a bunch of, just a bunch of kind of random hacks, I feel like. <laughs> uh, yes. But you, you, in, in Hack 140, you actually talk about taking out loans. Uh, you are all about shorter loan terms, and we are as well. But the thing is, it's incredibly countercultural, right? You know, as loan terms uh, seem to be lengthening everywhere. Uh, especially for cars. And so, how should people weigh the different loan options that are available to them?
2: Yeah, the, the trouble is that, you know, lenders want to give you longer and longer to pay off a debt, but the longer you take to pay it off, the more you're going to pay an interest, and the longer you're going to have that obligation hanging over your head. Right. So, yeah, you could get a seven-year car loan, But maybe you've saved up a bunch of money for a down payment or maybe you know that your income is super stable and you can do a three-year loan or a four-year loan or a five-year loan. The five-year loan used to be, you know, the longest and now it seems like the middle of the road. Standard. yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And take a look at the difference in interest rates because sometimes if you can cut down your payment timeline by one year, you can save a couple of points in interest. Or at least a few, you know, fractions of a point, depending on what sort of, you know, rate environment that we're in. But that can add up to big savings over time. So this is definitely a tip for people who are well on top of their finances. They are not worried about, you know, the day to day if they're taking out a loan or taking out a card out. They are... Um, they're really able to spend strategically, and they're able to maybe spend a little more each month to get out of that debt quicker. If you're in that situation, definitely look at a shorter loan term. It sort of puts uh, it puts the pressure on you to like keep up with it, you know. If you uh, know that you would accelerate your payments anyway and just be paying more than the minimum, you know, maybe uh, it's worth looking at one of those shorter terms.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think we we too easily take the longer term loan. And then yeah, we are just we're payment buyers and we're in debt far, uh, far longer than we should be. Um, One one more money hack you mentioned is uh, a way to make more money. It's a side hustle that I'd never heard about before. (laughs) Renting yourself out as a friend. I'm a pretty friendly dude. Is this something I should consider?
2: Well, you know, I will say renting a friend was something I recommended before a global pandemic, but there will be a time again when you will be willing to share, you know, enclosed spaces with strangers. But there is actually a service out there called rentafriend.com. It is completely platonic and it's designed for people who just maybe have an interest or want to do something fun, but don't have anyone that they can call on to do it with. Maybe your friends are in a different city or they don't have the same interests and you can you know, set up basically a friend date with someone. Um, It starts at around 25 an hour. So if you are willing to rent out your time and be the friend, you can make 25 bucks an hour. Plus you are able to take advantage of whatever like fun thing your um, person that you get matched up with wants to do. It might be a baseball game. It might be a museum. It could be some sort of like awkward dinner with their parents that they don't want to go to alone. (laughs) And, you know, they're like, just pretend you're my roommate. And you're like, cool, that's fine. And and it seems strange, right, to rent a friend, but think about it in another way, think about, Um, you know, Airbnb experiences. People will Mm -hmm. sign up to take a tour with you through your favorite shops in your neighborhood, right? So it's sort of like that. Um, It has, you know, a more straightforward name. And so it seems a little odd to be renting a friend.
1: (laughs) It's so on the nose. It's like, (laughs) pay for friendship. (laughs)
2: Exactly. But if you, you know, just think of it as, you know, someone wants to pay you to, you know, be a great host to them, uh, you know, in a neighborhood or to, you know, try out something fun. And you could get paid to do that. Yeah, and it's, it's pretty cool. I've never tried it probably because I'm a little bit of an introvert.
1: Oh, um, are you?
0: <laughs> See, I'm extrovert all the way. If I didn't have anything else going on, I am I might, I might do this.
2: Yeah. If I, you know, maybe lived in a city where I didn't know a lot of people, this would probably be a really fun way to meet people and try out new things and make some money all at the same time. Yeah.
1: Do it yeah. at the same time. <laughs> so on the, like the social note, I guess you also talk about finding a mentor as like a way To help you in your career you know you're not paying for a friend necessarily but you're paying for somebody uh maybe who can help you along can you make a case as to why mentors are a good idea for a lot of folks
2: here's a money hack that doesn't sound like a money hack but really it has it could have some long-term effects. So we're always told when we're in high school or college that we should find mentors who can guide us in our careers. There's someone who's a sounding board and a cheerleader and someone who's going to be there for us to you know, support us through our careers. And one of the ways that they can support us is by helping us advocate for a raise, helping us practice negotiating uh, when we're in job interviews to be able to get a higher salary, having someone in your corner that reminds you of your self-worth and of your expertise Mm. and of your skills can really help you get that boost of confidence when it's time to stand up for yourself and negotiate. Uh, So it's one of those things that's hard to put a price tag on Uh, And it's it's you know, some people get luckier than others. They just find a great mentor out there. Other people need to go through uh, a matching program or maybe an alumni network to find someone that's really a great supportive mentor for them. But it's something that can have a long term impact on how much you're able to make over the course of your career.
0: Nice. Uh, well, hey, we we just passed uh, New Year's Day recently. A lot of people made New Year's resolutions, but a lot of us slackers didn't really get around to it, right? But that's mm-hmm. okay because in your book, you suggest that people should do this on their birthday instead, so they shouldn't feel bad. They should just know that they it was the wrong time to do it, right? So, uh, but why, in your opinion, is it more important to make resolutions on your birthday as opposed to uh, when the New Year hits?
2: Yeah, I think it's more exciting to have a date that's meaningful for you. We all get to January 1st and we feel like it's, you know, we've got to make a change because everyone else is doing it. It's a new, fresh year, but it's a terrible time to make money changes. You're just coming off the holiday season, which is just very expensive. It's the dead of winter. Nobody Nobody wants to make changes then. So if you can tie financial resolutions to a day that's a little more fun for you, like your birthday, the odds of you sticking with it go up a little bit. It's still going to take hard work, but you're going to tie it to this time of like actual rebirth for you. Not just turning the calendar page, but you're hitting a new year in your life, a new milestone. You're blowing out those candles and you can say to yourself, hey, I've got goals and I'm going to make changes so that I can get to them before my next birthday uh so this the caveat here is that if you have an early december birthday like me this doesn't really help that much (laughs) or a late december birthday uh, like me (laughs) right if you're a december january baby i'm sorry you should just probably stick to january 1st out of simplicity but for everybody else for the other 10 months of the year you should think about your birthday a little oh, harder.
1: Yeah, yeah. I love how much more personalized it is too. And plus, I mean, the gyms are likely to be less crowded too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. If you're gonna set that new
1: resolution. Uh, well, Lisa, we've got one more question here. Let's end on, on maybe a more sort of adulting kind of notes. Uh, one other hack you mentioned that I thought was incredibly useful is uh, you talk about documenting your possessions in case uh, you need to file uh, a homeowner's or, or a renter's insurance claim. And so, how do you feel is the best way for people to do that?
2: It all depends on how you are going to stay organized, right? Which is the answer nobody wants because they're like, well, how do I stay organized? Do I stay organized? <laughs> but the most important thing is that you have as much evidence as possible if you need to make a claim for your homeowner's insurance. And think about it. Like if if you, you know, had your house broken into or your car broken into, that's the last time you want to spend scrambling around trying to find the model number from your computer or right. the serial number from your whatever has a serial number. Does my blender have a serial (laughs) number? Probably. But you don't want to be scrambling around wondering like, oh, like what was that thing and how much was it worth? So I'm a big advocate of keeping receipts for big purchases, scanning them or taking a picture on your phone so you have a digital copy. And then in some cases, taking pictures of items. Uh, It might be, you know, if you have a, a laptop that has a bunch of stickers on it, take pictures so that if your laptop gets stolen, it's easier to identify. It's also then easier if you have photos of items for the insurance company to determine how much cash you should get to be able to replace that item. So if you've got, you know, expensive jewelry, some homewares, uh, if you've got some uh, expensive shoes like me that you want to get the value for, you know, you need to be able to know what the value is and don't wait until the last minute or until there's an emergency to wonder what was in your home. If you can make a log, you know, Don't worry about the little stuff as much as the big stuff. And just think of those big purchases that you would be upset about if something happened today Mm -hmm. and do what you can to chronicle those items so that if the worst case scenario happens, you can easily grab a digital copy of your receipt or some photos or, you know, you just have them stashed away in an envelope somewhere so that you can easily grab them.
0: That is a great tip and probably one that a lot of our listeners haven't done. Uh, It reminded me that it was something I need to do to document all the possessions uh, in my house through a walkthrough video. So I'm putting that on my to-do list, Lisa. Thank you for the reminder. Um, And and yeah, I love the book, Money Hacks. There's so much good information in there, Uh, uh, so many money hacks that we weren't able to cover in this conversation. Where can people find out more about you and the book?
2: Yeah. You can find Money Hacks wherever books are sold. You can find more about me and you can find a link to buy the book at LisaRowan.com. And just remember that, you know, there's a lot of hacks in here. Not every one of them is going to apply to you, but I'm pretty sure you'll be able to find a handful that you can implement in your life and make some lasting changes.
1: Most definitely. Well, awesome. Lisa, this was a fun conversation. Thank you so much for talking with us
0: today.
2: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: All right, Matt, that was a great conversation with Lisa. Uh, I love the idea behind money hacks. Hack is such like a common term that we use now in our society in articles on the internet. Hack is like the frequent word. Um, I feel like word choice when it comes to shaking something up in your life. Um, And and Lisa offers just a lot of great tips, really, when it comes down to it in this book. So I was glad we were able to cover some, but I want to know... A.K.A. a a sneaky, actionable tip. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That must be the definition of it, right? That's Uh, my definition. Right. So what was your big takeaway? Your big hack from this episode
1: yeah yes yeah. so, well so yeah my big takeaway is when she was talking about the stranger test i love the stranger test man and so, a quick recap basically if you're ever in a store or you're online even shopping online picture somebody standing right there uh and they're holding up the amount of cash that is going to cost you to purchase that item or the item and you've got to choose one of the two like which one is it going to be and to put it in terms like that to help you to visualize like oh wait a minute is that really worth all that money you know it's like okay i'm about to drop 40 bucks on a couple pizzas is that actually worth like those couple pizzas and in some cases you might say yeah those pizzas are really good or you might think oh am i am i just doing this like at a convenience or or maybe just out of habit you know whether it's food or whether it's like clothing like do i really want the shirt for 20 bucks Or that's how much my shirts cost. They're cheap. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Is that going to provide me the utility or the warmth here in the winter with it being cold? Or would I rather take that 20 and put it in my wallet? I'm a fan. Anytime you're able to bring these alternative options into these sort of scenarios where you feel like you have to do something. And instead, if you ask yourself, well, what if instead I did this? Um, it's just a way to you know, optimize your spending and make sure that you're spending your money in a way that aligns with your values and the things that actually bring you joy. And so Lisa's book, Money Hacks, I've never thought about it that way. But I know that's something I'm totally going to be referring to in the future when it comes to my own expenses.
0: Yeah, I'm going to be visualizing a stranger trying to hand me cash. And I'm probably going to You know, not buy the item now because because of it. I think that's I think that's a great one for sure.
1: Or or you'll say, oh no, I totally need that thing. It's it's completely worth the money. You know, like I just love how it reframes that interaction. Completely,
0: yeah. Yeah. So I think my big takeaway. Yeah. What was your big takeaway? uh, I think rent yourself out as a friend, man. (laughs) Um, And I don't know if you can virtually do it these days. If you can, I might have to do that. My my wife might not be down with it, but I love meeting new people. Like honestly, part of me has thought I would love to become a Lyft or an Uber driver just because all the people you get be able to chat with folks yeah it's yeah. kind of it's kind of fun like i like riding in them when i'm the passenger because i like make a new friend every time kind of and that might sound weird but i'm that interested in, in meeting new people and so yeah if this was my younger days if this existed when oh, i was yeah. in my early 20s it's Totally something. Slam done. <laughs> <laughs> right up Joel's alley. Yeah, no, I got a wife and three kids, though, so I just don't really have the yeah. time to befriend strangers. I'd rather do the stranger test. I guess that <laughs> so we we're, were just talking about. Both of ours have to do a stranger. Yes, uh,
1: <laughs> well, I've told you, I mean, back when we were doing the Airbnb down here in the basement, like that was the thing that I enjoyed the most was being able to talk to the you know our guests and figure out why they're in town, how long they're in town for I mean, well, I knew how long they're in town for because of the <laughs> reservation, but Oh, like... you're here three nights, I see. <laughs> but to to be able to talk about where they're from, you know, what they've been doing. Dude, I love that aspect of it and i'm not even a 100 extrovert you know like there's a part of me that just doesn't want to talk to people but i still enjoyed i don't know playing host to folks but yeah but here's my question for you what if you are you know doing rent a friend and folks are asking for their money back like how does that work
0: out? (laughs) honestly if i was doing it they might be they might be like you talk too much get out of here Uh, i want you to be a better listener You're a good listener, buddy. Uh, I don't know. Sometimes, you know, sometimes (laughs) I'm not. That's that's the case. But uh, yeah, I love that as a tip. I love just kind of outside of the box ways to make money. And, you know, if you can make $25 an hour, that's real money. That's not piddly money. That's legit money. And maybe it's a cool experience at the same time. Yeah. All right, Matt, let's get back to the beer that we had on this episode. This one was called Condensation Accumulation. um two big words right there to (laughs) describe this beer uh what were your thoughts on this ipa we are two smart guys we know how to say these words we know big words uh well
1: obviously it makes me think of condensation accumulation makes me think of snow accumulating outside during some of these colder days that we're having here in january buddy but i don't know how else to describe this except that it is a really good hazy ipa it has all the qualities that i'm looking for in a hazy ipa starting with that hazy color you know you pour it in there and it's got that nice cloudy look to it a little yellow a little orange yeah, yeah. Well, in particular, too, this one wasn't overly dark. Like, that's one of the things I liked about it. I feel like a lot more breweries these days are making their IPAs kind of like blonder, you know, like like more pale, uh, which I don't know. I feel like that adds something to the flavor. At least it does in my mind because I see it and I think, oh, this is going to taste a certain way. But yeah, I really enjoy this one. Uh, you, we mentioned these guys are out of Charlotte, North Carolina. And this is actually the first of
0: several beers that we're going to have from Heist Brewery. But uh, yeah, what were your thoughts on this beer? Yeah, I mean, condensation accumulation, I thought of clouds. And what I thought of the most about this beer was the mouthfeel, the pillowy cloud like mouthfeel. Ooh, very nice. It was like soft and luscious and, and delicious. So yeah, I enjoyed a beer that has that kind of mouthfeel with just like also a ton of hot flavor. So yeah, definitely looking forward to having more from this brewery in the coming days. Uh, But that's going to do it for this episode for folks that want to find out more about Lisa's book, Money Hacks, where you can get it and also some links to some of the stuff we talked about during this conversation. Just go to our website, howtomoney.com. Yeah, we'll make sure to include the link as well to uh, where you can find missing money that might be owed to you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and I know we've talked about that in the past and we've had emails from listeners like I found hundreds of dollars. (laughs) I love that. If you haven't done that check, it takes almost no time and you can bring some money into your life that you didn't know was out there. That's right. And if you
1: haven't left us a review yet and you found our show helpful, we would love it if you did leave us a review over at Apple Podcasts, maybe that nice five-star rating as well. Uh, And thanks in advance for that. So Joel, that's going to be it, buddy, for this episode. Until next time. Best friends out. Best friends out.
0: Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at
1: canva.com. Designed for work.